0: This podcast is produced by EnergeticCity.ca, your only local and independent news in Northeast BC. To support local news and this podcast, go to EnergeticCity.ca slash join to find out more. Now, an in-depth look at the news and information shaping our community. This is Moose Talks with your host, Doug Craig, on Moose FM. Good morning. Welcome to another episode of the show. A little later on, we're going to be talking with Susan Adams, the Executive Director of the North Peace Community Foundation. Fort St. John City Council recently approved the transfer of grant and aid funding, I guess, duties to the foundation. Uh, That's going to happen later in the fall officially. So we're going to discuss what that means for you and groups in the community who are looking for funding going forward. But first, Overdose Awareness Day is August 31st, and Urban Matters is partnering with Fort St. John uh, Community Action Team, pardon me, uh, to put on an event that day at Festival Plaza to spread awareness about the overdose crisis in Fort St. John. To talk about that, we're joined now by Julianne Kucherin from urban matters julianne thank you so much for being here today
1: awesome thanks so much for having me
0: i think it's kutran actually as i say my apologies (laughs) close enough
1: uh
0: so julianne why don't we start with um the day itself and the importance of having a day to talk about and be aware of the overdose crisis here in bc and beyond because i mean it is a crisis
1: yeah most definitely thanks um so Overdose Awareness Day is actually an internationally recognized day. Mm-hmm. Um, countries all over the world uh, celebrate or honor the day on August 31st. Um, and I, I don't know how many years this is running, but here in Fort St. John, this is actually our fifth year running. So yeah. we've been doing it for the past four years in different capacities. Um, but essentially, it is all about uh, honoring those that we've lost the overdose crisis, providing some education and awareness to the community about substance use and overdose, Um, It's really uh, an opportunity to reduce some stigma and to create some compassion in the community Mm -hmm. and come together, honor our frontline service providers um, and families that are struggling with the loss of a loved one um, and just really a day to learn um, and come together.
0: Yeah. I mean, this is the stigma to me is, is, is so interesting because it's still really something that I think a lot of people think happens to other people, right. right? It happens to, you know, and it's not a nice term, but to junkies and, and and people over there. It's not something that affects them until it does. Um so I mean is talking about reducing the stigma, what do you think is the best way to do that? Is it just talking about it? Is it talking about it more? Is it me talking about more in the media and just saying this is happening in our community To our friends and neighbors, it isn't happening over there. It's happening here.
1: Yeah, I mean, when you look at the statistics, uh, it is uh, a lot of times, I mean, the highest rate of um, overdoses and overdose deaths still continues to be um, males in their, you know, 20s to 50s and 60s even. Like, we're seeing the rates um, high even in kind of the later stages of life. And this is, you know, due to a lot of different things. Um, I think locally, a lot of it um, is those in industry um so say you know someone goes into work in a camp or on a site and comes back and is using in in their hotel room um kind of recreationally and then they're using alone and that's often where we see the overdoses um but i know uh like you say it's it's not just people that are disconnected from society it's often people's um family members so uh children and youth um so people's kids people's co-workers um people's loved ones and it's um definitely often in um residences like i believe uh the stats show that um in the northern health authority over 60 percent so 62 percent are in local residences so people's homes and Mm -hmm. garages um and then uh 20 percent is in other residences so like hotels motels um, and then 15% um, happens outside, so in vehicles, um, sidewalks, parking lots, things, th- things like that. But you can see that the majority is in people's private homes and mm-hmm. often using alone, which is when you can't have someone come and revive the person that's suffering from an overdose.
0: I mean, that's that's sort of a scary part of this is because, of course, you know, and I think part of the day um, that we're going to talk about in a few minutes is there's mm-hmm. sort of demonstrations on how to learn how to administer naloxone when yes. you, you see an overdose occurring, but if you don't see that, if you're using alone, that's not an option available to you. So is there, is there an element of this that even if maybe you're a user that you want to learn something about? Maybe if I have to use, I need to be doing it in a, in a safer way and that we have a, a kind of a role to play in making sure that both we don't want people using, but if they are, we want them to be safe in doing so.
1: Totally. And I think that's such a big part of the reducing the stigma and and having kind of more of a compassionate um, approach to it is that um, whether people are using for whatever reason, you know, based on, um, you know, some people may have used opioids for like a back injury and then got addicted to it and weren't able to come off it properly. Um, So it's not always just, um, you know someone's fault, or people saying, oh, it was just someone who, you know, has a bad background, whatever, you know, it can be childhood trauma, all these things that lead people to use substances, usually to escape pain and trauma, and so um, I think with, uh, with, you know, the compassion piece, I think really recognizing meeting people where they're at, mm-hmm. um, and like you say, not necessarily having this idea that everyone just needs to not use substances and um, you know, abstinence is the best course of action and we need to criminalize people who are using substances, but more of that compassionate approach, meeting people where they're at in their journey, and whether it's providing education and awareness, about providing harm, harm reduction, so um, you know, providing safe, safe and clean um, use kits, or... Um, Or um, kind of naloxone kits to people so that they can have them if they're using with friends or, um, you know, are able to revive someone on the street and be Mm -hmm. able to know how to use that. Um, And then, of course, it's a full spectrum. So maybe there's people who are ready to not use anymore. And so maybe having a referral to um, a detox center or a treatment center. And then I know... um, OPSs have been a big thing around our community and that's just one part of the spectrum using um, substances safe in a building, right? And so I think it's all about those different pieces about meeting people where they're at in their substance use
0: journey. All right. Well, let's talk about the day itself. Um, you, From what I've seen, kind of a, a, a prospective agenda anyway, mm-hmm. you've got kind of a full day of activities planned for the 31st in Festival Plaza. So yes. why don't you take us through some of the things that if you uh, stop by for a few minutes or, you know, the, the whole thing, if you want to, what, what you might see and do and see there.
1: Great. Um, yeah. So as I mentioned in past years, I think the first year we started as um, an overdose awareness week. So we had things every day and then of course, realized that was a lot of work for a whole week. Um, so, and then during COVID, we actually had like a, um, a car parade because obviously the distancing. So, yeah. this year we're doing um, very similar to last year. I don't know if you were part of the day last year or um, reported on it, but it'll be at Festival Plaza yep. um, from 10 uh, a.m. until 3 p.m. And so, um, we're going to kind of have the Festival Plaza area. Open like, you know, the farmer's market would be with tables and people can kind of come in. Um, and at 10, we'll kind of have a formal opening. So, um, you know, a bit of a um, a few words and perhaps drumming. Uh, we're working on getting um, some elders from a local First Nation to mm-hmm. start us off in a really good way. I'm hoping to have a couple of the local politicians to say a few words. Um, and then... Kick off the day from 10.30 until 12 with just kind of an open house style um, activities. So you can go to different tables and booths of local service providers. Um, We're going to have naloxone training um, Mm -hmm. by Northern Health and potentially First Nations Health Authority. Uh, Some of the peer groups in Mom Stop the Harm are going to have kind of different activities honoring those we've lost. So an art activity with crosses and a a mask activity about taking off the mask and um, stigma. Mm -hmm. And then from 12 until 1, we have the Salvation Army food truck providing a free lunch um, over the hour. And we'll have some music and some poetry reading um, as we're eating outside. Hopefully, it's a nice day so we can kind of sit outside in that area and and all eat together. Um, And then 1 to 2 will be similar to the 10.30 till 12. So people that weren't able to make it in the morning can come by, check out the booths, learn um, how to uh, give naloxone to save a life. And then the last hour from two to three will be kind of a closing vigil. We have candles that um, people can light um, in honor of a loved one that they've lost. We're going to have folks um, just provide space for folks who have lost a loved one to talk about their loved one and honor it, and just kind of really end in a good way, thinking about the people that we've lost in our community and and just yeah, being being there for each other in that last mm-hmm. hour. So, I uh,
0: wonder if you can quickly speak. Um, and I don't know if you can, but in the lock zone, I mean, you can. It's easy to get. You can find it everywhere, yes. and it's great to just quickly learn about it because it's not. I know the first time I heard about it, it was oh that that's intimidating. Like yeah. you, you need to give it to somebody who's having an overdose. Oh, like I can't do that. I'm not medically trained. It's it's not that hard, and mm. and you can very easily help somebody through that situation by just learning how to use it and and having one on hand a, a kit on hand right
1: definitely i mean the kits are pretty straightforward they come with um a syringe and uh pre-loaded kind of little um packs that have the naloxone medicine that reverses an overdose yeah and so generally when you get those um you can ask at the pharmacy for a little demo uh, i know um northern health and first nations health authority in the past when they've done demos they've you know used an orange to be like someone's um, muscle and I believe you um, put it into someone's shoulder or like a meaty part of their leg when they're suffering an overdose. And um, the little kit actually has instructions, too. So say if you weren't able to get properly trained, there's a step-by-step kind of instruction booklet inside the kit. Um, Another thing that's happening is more and more we're seeing the nasal naloxone where you just have to insert it into someone's nose and kind of push that medicine into their nose. So I I think uh, as time goes on, there'll also be more of the nasal naloxone available, which I think, like you say, people will feel a little bit more comfortable that they don't have to... um, Put a, put a syringe in someone's sure. arm or leg but either way they're both pretty straightforward
0: i'd say i mean finding just a meaty muscle is much easier than well do i have to search for a vein like you're right. an er nurse or something okay all right uh if people want more information about this and what's happening on the day and and if they want to help if they want to spread the word what's the best uh, thing they can do and where can they find that info
1: yeah so um i don't know if everyone can see this but this poster <laughs> um this way yeah yeah there you um, go we're going to be posting this around the community, um, so you know, uh, posting in all the local coffee shops and um, kind of grocery stores. Um, so that has the uh, the date, time, and um, list of activities. And uh, we'll make sure that we kind of share it on um, different Facebook pages. We've got all of our community organizations. So this is put on by the Fort St. John Community Action Team, which is made up of different social agencies, health agencies, First Nations, communities, and organizations. And so it's really a collaborative effort. Like Urban Matters has just been hired as project manager to help with this. But really, it's all these groups coming together to put this on. So everyone will be sharing it out. Um, If you want to get involved, at the bottom of this poster, it does have urban matters phone number and an email address for my colleague sarah who's um also supporting on the project management so yeah it's uh, it's going to be a great day anyone and everyone is welcome to come we i think we have a goal of getting 50 people trained in naloxone over the day Very we'll have cool. one of those big kind of thermometers where we're hitting the different um numbers so please yeah come enjoy the day learn something new mm-hmm. um have a free lunch and help uh to get us to that number that we want to get people trained up in the community so that we can save some lives.
0: All right. And again, that's August 31st, 10 till 3 at Festival Plaza right here in town, correct? Awesome. All right, Julianne, thank you very much for making some time uh, to come by and talk to us about this very important initiative you guys are doing.
1: Thanks so much for having us.
0: You're very welcome. That's Julianne Kucherin with Urban Matters uh, here on Moose Talks. Uh, We'll be right back to talk to uh, Susan Adams of the uh, North Peace Community Foundation. Welcome back. I'm Dub Craig. Now we're going to talk a bit about the North Peace Community Foundation. We've been talking about this with the mayor of Fort St. John for some time now. And as it happens recently, city council uh, passed a motion to establish a partnership which would essentially hand off grant and aid funding um, issuance, I guess you could say, uh, to the Community Foundation, as I understand it. So to talk about this sort of final hurdle for uh, the Foundation to really kind of get started going and moving along, uh, we're here to talk with the Executive Director of the Foundation, Susan Adams. Susan, uh, Susan, welcome to Moose Talks. Good morning. Thank you
2: very much for the welcome.
0: You're very welcome. Uh, so why don't you remind us first First of all, what the community foundation is and, and what its kind of goal is in the community? Sure. That's a
2: great question. Thank you. So a community foundation is really meant to match donors uh, with the causes that matter most to them. hmm The future of the community. So, as opposed to some organizations that maybe are raising money for programs right here and now today, Uh um, we focus on the long game and look at investing. endowing funds for the long term now that's not to say that we also don't have short-term programs and the city's grants and aids program is
0: one of those types Mm -hmm. of examples i see um and this was something that i think even the mayor said this takes it out of um the hands of politicians and puts it into the hands of community because this was something the city sort of used to do and and Groups, you no know, nonprofits. Whoever was looking for funding would have to ask the city and present to council, and all this. That's not going to be the case anymore. They come directly to the foundation. Is that correct? That's correct. So
2: to sit back to the mayor's comments a little bit. Um, yes, the goal was to move the decision-making out of the politicians hands and from it being a political uh, exercise to mm-hmm. go into a community driven exercise where these are our community members that are supporting and working to help each other and develop these grant programs and assist with the nonprofit and charitable sector in Fort in the city of Fort St. John
0: mm-hmm.
2: so this year it it being a transition year, applicants would normally have applied in the spring to the city and would have their information, or if there's been a little bit of a transition, and I'm happy to say um, that... We start our program applications from September 1 this year to October 31. Mm-hmm. So it gives uh, organizations a little bit longer to put their applications together. But to be honest, none of the information that we'll be asking for is any different than what the city had been. Okay. We want to make sure that we manage that change really well for applicants and that there isn't any undue anxiety about the change. Mm-hmm. But uh, this And the city has committed to keeping these organizations whole. So throughout this Process And as we get to matching donors with this program, the city is committed to making that whole. That's a huge gift.
0: Mm -hmm. Um, If you're someone who doesn't uh, fully understand how this works, like me, (laughs) um, can you sort of give an example of like, what type of group, what type of organization would be asking, uh, would be kind of uh, applying for funding and how that works and, and, and how it kind of goes together to go from we need this funding, we'd like this funding to here it is, we can help you out.
2: That's great. I I love that. Thank you for letting me walk walk, uh, your listeners through this. So an organization looks at their their budget, determines what the revenue needs to be in order to deliver the programs and the services that they want to. Mm -hmm. These are nonprofit organizations, charitable organizations within Fort St. John. Some may own property, some may lease property, Um, some may be co-sharing workspaces. But Mm -hmm. the ultimate uh, for... Nonprofit organizations is how much revenue do we need to uh, deliver our programs. So when they're looking at that, most nonprofits and charitable organizations look at what grants are available that help match the work that we're doing yeah. um, and sometimes those grants can be really hard to find um, and they're often different places of the country um, if for this program in particular the grants in aid program this is a local based program so this is for city of Fort St. John nonprofits and charities they will apply through the foundation we'll take a look at it in most cases as long as it doesn't exceed 20% of their annual revenue mm-hmm. they will get it Um, It is well recognized by the city and those that develop the foundation that the nonprofit organizations and charities in this group, in this city and the region, really establish, help establish that social fabric and those places for people, whether it's families, uh, folks that are needing it on the social end, um, or organizations that are just starting up. And I think we saw through COVID that... um, our social connections are very, very important. Mm-hmm. And many of these
0: groups uh, establish and help maintain those organizations in the community. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to make sure to mention this because I know part of it and, and kind of doing some re- research for this, you've been writing stories for the last year about big donations uh, that uh, local companies and organizations have made to the community foundation as, as sort of part, part of this. So, this seems to be a new facet to this whereas before it was just what what can the city give me now it's the city's providing some of the funding but also there's these other organizations who are helping to establish the endowment so that it can sort of make its own revenue correct absolutely yeah so that's
2: one of the the excellent mechanisms of community foundations and part of the gift that they can give to the community is so we're matching donors whether they're Corporations that are looking uh, through their own community investment strategy and community foundations can be an important part of that, whether they're folks that are looking at their estate planning and how they can move money into the charitable realm to help ensure that they leave a legacy, mm-hmm. um, to whether it's small companies just finding out how they can support maybe many of the nonprofits that they would like to do without having the people to do that, they can use the foundation for that. And then as we've started to help local government establish and maintain some of their programs. So um, it really is matching donors of all kinds uh, with the causes that matter the most to them. So
0: essentially the company, and in, and also in this case the city, they give mm-hmm. you the money, you and the board or what have you, and then allow you to administer it sort of as you see fit and, and sort of trust you to do that. Uh, exactly. You know, okay, yeah. Rather than them having to decide, as you say, do I want to give to this it kind of goes to the community in a sense goes
2: to the community and and the needs will be determined on an annual basis with the community telling us um you know areas that need more support or need a bit more spotlight or need Mm -hmm. a little bit of a push to get started so that will be done on an annual basis through the board of directors
0: now i know that uh you know in a a little while in a couple years or whatever this is going to end up saving the city some money once the endowment's sort of established it won't be costing the city as much to do this as it was before when they were handling it. Uh, but what are the advantages for the groups specifically looking for funding from this? Is it that there's now more available because this could this could just essentially grow and grow?
2: That is absolutely the potential, and I, and I think that we're seeing that really quickly, mm-hmm. um, that the opportunity for that fund to grow quickly um, is there, and there will be more funds available uh, to a broader diversity of groups. Um, as you said, it also reduces the amount that the city has to invest and you know, it's not that the city will take in less money, but those are just other areas that they can apply that money to wow. that helps the community. So um, this really does, you know, over time become a bottom a more organic Program um, from a bottom up rather than that top down highly administrative approach.
0: I see. Okay. Well, if you uh, if you happen to be somebody from a local nonprofit who's maybe okay, well, this is a lever I've never pulled before, or somebody who wasn't sure how the transition would go. Uh, as you said, not much has changed except I guess who they're asking. But how do people uh, get involved and and maybe if they want to donate, they want to you know apply for funding. What what's the best way they can do that? So, first, I'll
2: speak to the funders or to the applicants. So, they will get an email from me today uh, with the grant criteria. And the application period is September 1 to mm-hmm. October 31. So that information they'll receive via email. It will also be available through our website and our social channels. Yeah. And this is for um, next year, correct? This is for funding for 2023 gotcha, through the okay. Grants and Aid Program. Yeah. Yeah. And they'll know by the middle of November whether they've received that or not. Okay. So um, that there's that part of it. Donors can call me anytime um, I'm available. They can reach me through info at northpeacecf.com as well as any applicants that maybe hadn't applied, as you said, maybe maybe haven't pulled that lever before because they didn't fit into a permissive tax grant stream. Uh-huh. Um, now we want to look at the whole of the organization and how uh-huh. can we support them. So they're welcome to get in touch with me at info at northpcf.com.
0: All right. Well, Susan, it's very uh, awesome that you took some time to chat with us today, and we appreciate it. And uh, We'll have you back to talk about some of the programs you've funded and all that good stuff uh, in the future.
2: <laughs> I, I'd, lo- I'd love to talk more about it. And just to give a little bit of a plug, we do sure. have another program coming up that we're helping the city yes. with called Neighborhood Small Grants. Mm-hmm. This is a very exciting program because there are micro grants in the community, up to $500 to help. Uh, neighbors create and do something within their own neighborhood so whether this is a skills share or a craft afternoon with the kids in the neighborhood a movie night it's it's anything that people can dream of that will help add value and and to their experience in the community so i encourage people to go to nsg at FortStJohn.ca to get more information Uh, that's going to be a really fun one
0: Excellent. Sounds like an excellent program. All right, Susan, thank you so much for being here again. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. You're very welcome. That's Susan Adams, the Executive Director of the North Peace Community Foundation.